Luke chapter 2 this morning. Um, I had uh, two different sermons prepared uh, for this week on our Then Sings My Soul series, and I just couldn't get at peace uh, with them. And so yesterday, I, as I was doing some work, just kind of praying through it, I still couldn't. And so last night, uh, the Lord laid another sermon on my heart, and it really doesn't have anything to do with a hymn, uh, but it has everything to do with the season we're in, uh, the Christmas season, uh, particularly with the idea of finding uh, Christmas, but more importantly, finding the Christ of Christmas in the busy Christmas season that we are in. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, Christmas sometimes, uh, well, a lot of times, it gets here really quickly. Uh, you ever notice how you, you turn the calendar in January, and then before you know it, it's, it's Christmas, and you're about to start another new year? Uh, and it just goes by so fast, but particularly the time between probably Halloween um, until Christmas just seems to, to fly by, and there's just so much uh, that goes on. And, and in the midst of all the things that we do, I, I believe a lot of times uh, we really miss the true emphasis of what Christmas is all about. I mean, if you think about it, um, we, we see the first Christmas advertisements show up, used to be right around Thanksgiving. Now, it's even around Halloween or before. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, this last September, uh, we were in Shawnee, and I happened to go into Big Lots, and when I went in Big Lots in Shawnee in September, they had Christmas stuff out in September. And, and I was like, that is ridiculous we haven't it's just fall we haven't even had halloween let alone thanksgiving but we see we're, we're just enamored with all this stuff it comes out so early and then uh when thanksgiving rolls around it's not even really about thanksgiving anymore it's about shopping uh it's about uh used to be black friday shopping and now they have thanksgiving day shopping and it's all on now you go on thursday and and all of this stuff just kind of hits you all at once, all leading up to Christmas, and then you have your, your parties, your, your, your Christmas events, your church events that are going on, and it just seems like sometimes our schedules get so full, we just have so much going on, that, that we, we kind of blink, and Christmas is here, and then we blink again, and Christmas is over, because we've had so much going on, keeping us so busy, that we sometimes miss the Christ of Christmas. You see, in the midst of doing all that we do, we forget that Christmas isn't about our gifts, what you buy for someone. Uh, it's not about the gifts that you're going to receive. Christmas isn't about uh, lights. It's not about uh, parties. It's not about uh, Santa Claus. It's not about, um, it's really not even about family. Christmas is about Christ. It's about finding the Christ that came to be our Savior, to to be what those Christmas hymns that we sing so often teach us about. Hark the herald angels sing. Why was he singing? Glory to the newborn king. And then you got joy to the world. Why? The Savior has come. That's why there's so much joy. So Christmas is all about Christ. And if we really want to experience Christmas, we've got to find the Christ of Christmas. But I want you to know, as we walk through our years and our, as, as believers... We're not the only ones that have had a problem finding the Christ of Christmas. We are not the only ones. Our culture 
is not the only culture that has missed Christmas before, particularly when I say miss Christmas, make sure you understand, missing the Christ of Christmas, okay? We're not the only people that have missed it before. As a matter of fact, in Scripture, there's lots of groups of people who missed Christmas. They missed Christmas with the Christ of Christmas right in front of them or right in their very vicinity, yet they missed Christmas. And in Luke chapter 2, you have one of the two main places where you find the story of the birth of our Christ in Luke chapter 2, and it's filled with people who missed Christmas. They missed the Christ of Christmas. Let me give you a few examples. Herod missed the Christ of Christmas. Herod wasn't interested in a Messiah. As a matter of fact, we know from history and from what Scripture says, all Herod cared about was when the Messiah came and they, he was told he'd come, go find where he's at, let me know, because I want to worship him. But really what he wanted to do was kill him, because all Herod cared about was his kingdom. He didn't care a thing about worshiping a Messiah. He didn't care a thing about the promised Messiah of the Old Testament that was going to come to the Jewish uh, people that would establish a kingdom. All he was cared about was, oh man, if he's here and that's really him, then he's a danger to my throne, and so I'll just kill him. That's what he wanted to do. He had no intention of finding the Christ of Christmas. The, the, the other people in the area where he was born missed Christmas as well. The, you've got the um, temple workers, who we're going to talk about in just a few moments, missed Christmas. Even when Christ was brought into their very presence, they missed the Christ of Christmas. And then you have the, the, the other people in that area when all of this transpired. You know, we know the story. When Jesus was born, there was no room for him in the inn, and there was no major anything going on. He didn't have any special visitors, at least for about two years. But the, the, there was two groups of people, one that we talk about a lot, that found the Christ of Christmas that first Christmas. The, the first group is the shepherds. And the shepherds weren't even in where Jesus was born. They were out in the field tending to their flock when it was announced to them what was being done, that the Savior was being born, and they go and find Christ being born, and they're there. They don't miss the Christ of Christmas. They they see and there and experience the Christ of Christmas, and then they leave and go tell everybody what they've seen, and they glorified God as they were leaving. But there's a second group that found the Christ of Christmas, not the day he was born, but eight days later, and we don't talk about them nearly as often, but there are two specific characters found in Luke chapter 2 by the name of Simeon and Anna. And in Luke chapter 2, we're going to read the story of Simeon, and we're going to look at what God says, word says about how we, how he found the Christ of Christmas, and how we too can find the Christ of Christmas, even with all the distractions that are around us in this Christmas season. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start on verse 21, and we're going to read down through verse 35. Now the Word of God says in Luke chapter 2, verse 21, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were complete, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Okay, and so the law in the Old Testament was, 
Anytime there was a, a, a child that was born, particularly a firstborn male child, which is what the next verse is going to tell us in verse 23, um, that the firstborn male child that opens the womb was to be taken and dedicated to the Lord. Now, all children were normally taken and dedicated to the Lord eight days later, particularly males, and that's when they were circumcised, which is actually pretty interesting because for years nobody knew why God defined and said to circumcise a male child on the eighth day. Now, we do it pretty much as soon as they're born, but there is a reason why the eighth day was important because it is the eighth day where the male child's body has the most potassium in its system to help with blood loss at day eight, okay? And that was why, and it's interesting, if you look at it from a science perspective, you go back and go like, oh, God knew what he was talking about way back in Genesis when he told him to do it on day eight. But anyway, uh, so all this was taking place. So the eight days have come, and then it's time for them to go dedicate their child to the Lord the way the law says. And so they take him to the temple. Now look in verse 24. They take him to the temple to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel." And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, the sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. And now as we begin to examine it this morning, I pray that I would decrease and that your spirit living in me would increase, and that the words will be shared would be yours and not mine. Father, that they would find the place you have for them in the hearts and in your lives of your people this morning, and that, Father, we would respond however you lead us to respond is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so there's these two groups of, there's these two groups of people around the birth of Christ that don't miss the Christ of Christmas, even when everyone else seems to. You've got the shepherds, which we talk about a lot, and then you have these two individuals that are in the temple. We just read Simeon, and immediately after Simeon sees him, Anna is in there, and she is, uh, finds the Christ of Christmas as well. But we're really just focusing on Simeon. Now, what we need to understand is where they took Jesus is a, is a very important part of what I want to talk about this morning. The temple in Jerusalem was probably the busiest religious place in the world, but for sure in all of Israel. Okay, so the temple, that is where the sacrifices were. Uh, that's where the offerings uh, took place. That's where the priests and the singers and the rule makers uh, continued the work of worship. And listen, in, in the temple in the Old Testament, worship never stopped. 
Sacrifices never stopped. It was an ongoing thing. As a matter of fact, that's why in Hebrews, which we're going to talk about, by the way, starting in January, when it says that Jesus finished his work and sat down at the right hand of God, that was, that, that was hard for them to imagine because a temple worker and a priest, their job never stopped. They had to continue doing on and on, year after year after year after year, and then you've got all of a sudden this Jesus who's done it once for all time. And when he finished, he sat down. His work was completely completed. So you've got this place where all this has taken place. You've got these people who are there. They're, they argue over the fine points of the law there. That's where they wrestled over the 613 some odd uh, injunctions that they had created based off the Ten Commandments. So it started with Ten Commandments, and then it increased to about 613 different laws that they had. They read, they memorized the Torah, they quoted the prophets there, and most of all, one of the things they did was they were tasked with and they would study the, the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah so they would know what to look for, and when, they, when he would show up, they would know he was there. Now, they're not the only ones that have been taught that. In the Old Testament, there was a group of, of Jews who were exiled, not necessarily exiled out, but they went to the east, and that's where the wise men come from two years after Jesus' birth. They had been taught these very same things that these people had been taught, yet two years later, they show up finding the Christ of Christmas. Yet the people who, who were supposed to know all this, who were supposed to be able to find Christ, when he showed up, because they knew the word, they knew the prophecies, they knew what to look for in a Messiah, the Messiah shows up, and they miss it. Now, not only did they miss him when he's in Bethlehem, which, by the way, is only five miles from Jerusalem, not only did they miss him when he was born in Bethlehem, eight days later, the Messiah, the Christ, is brought to them, and they don't find him. They miss him. He's brought into their very presence. And they offer their sacrifices. They do exactly what the law says. They're probably getting ready to leave at this point. No prophet, no priest, no temple worker has come up and said anything. They do not recognize Christ at all. And then there's this man who's led by the Spirit of God, who had been told that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. He's led by the Spirit to go into the temple and immediately recognizes the Christ for who he is. And in that moment, he finds Christmas because he finds the Christ of Christmas. And when we look at his example and we see what, they, what he did, there are three truths that we see that, are, that have to happen in order to find the Christ of Christmas. And then there's one result that comes from truly finding the Christ of Christmas. So let's look at these this morning here real quick. The first thing is that we need to understand from Simeon's example is seek and find. Seek and find. Look at verse 25. In verse 25 it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, what you need to understand there is in, in what I just read, it says waiting for the consolation of Israel. In the Greek, 
The original word there for waiting means looking for. Okay? When you literally translate it, it means looking for. When it says waiting for, he wasn't waiting casually. He was actively looking for the Messiah, for the coming of the Christ. Now, that's a very interesting word for looking mentioned there because it means to, to look with intent to find. Uh, it look, means to look intently to find what you're looking for. It's not casual observance. It's not scanning. It's not just fumbling around half-heartedly seeking something. It, you know the difference between really looking for something and just kind of looking for something. You know, when, when, you're, when you're in desperate need of something, you look a little harder than when you don't really care if you find it or not. Kind of like kids. When they know what they're looking for, they will turn a house upside down to find it because they're desperate to have it. Yet when you ask them to go find something for you, I can't find it. Well, you actually have to look. And you'll walk in and they're standing there going, I can't find it. And you're like, it's right, it's right there. It's right in front. Why didn't they not see it? Because they're not looking. What he's talking about here was Simeon was actively looking for the Christ. He wasn't casually looking. He wasn't just kind of glancing to hope he would find him. He was actively pursuing and looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And so many of us have had experiences where we've passed by somebody or something, and, and we've not really seen them, and yet maybe they were really very close to us. Have you ever passed someone, and then later they said, hey, I waved at you. You didn't wave back. And you're like, when did I see you? And they're like, we walked right by each other in the store. And, and you don't see them, and it's not because you purposely don't see them. You just don't see them, and the reason why you didn't see them is because you weren't looking for them. Like, you're there for something completely different. Your mind is preoccupied, preoccupied with something else. And so when sometimes someone walks right into your vision, you don't see them because you're not looking for them. You're looking for something else, and so your mind's preoccupied, and you're not going to see them. But that's not what he was doing here. He is actively looking for Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because Scripture tells us that if we actively look for Jesus, we'll find him. That's, what, that's why it's important. Listen to a few Scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29, You will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Many times we miss the Christ of Christmas because we're not looking for the Christ of Christmas. See, many times we're looking for everything else. We're looking for what people are going to give us. We're looking for what we're going to give other people. We're looking for a vacation. We're, we're looking for some time off. We're, we're looking for fellowship with other people. We're looking for family meals, we're looking for Santa Claus, we're looking for Christmas light strips, we're looking for something, but we're not looking for Christ. And I'm telling you, if you want to find the Christ of Christmas, you have to look for him. But here's the blessed truth. If you look for him, you'll find him. 
And so no matter how fast Christmas comes upon us, and no matter how many things are thrown in our direction around this time of year, if we would simply look for the Christ of Christmas, we'll find the Christ of Christmas. And no matter how fast it comes and goes, our Christmas will always be full because we found the meaning for Christmas every year. So that's the first thing is seek and find. The second thing is you need to go to the right place to find him, the right place. Look at verse 27. It says, So he came in, talking about the temple, by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, okay, and so where did he go? He went to the temple. He was in the right place. Now, now stay with me here. Are there other places you can find Christ? Yes, there are. But there's one place where you should always find Christ, and that's the church. Now, here's, here's what that means. The church, we're not a social club. We're not a country club. We are a group of people that gather together to worship and praise the Lord, and therefore anyone that comes here should always find Christ here. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll say it like this. If you can't find Christ in your church, you need to find a different church. Because Christ is what the church is about. We are gathered as Christians. We, we are named after Christ. He is our leader. We are his followers. This is his building. Now, listen, I'm not talking about the Old Testament. You know, this is his building. None of that. It's just the idea that when you meet with the church, you ought to find Jesus. And he knew where Jesus was going to be. Why? Because he knew the law. And the law said that the Messiah, when he would come, would be born of a virgin, therefore would have to be dedicated in Jerusalem to God because he opened the womb as a firstborn male son, and he knew he would have to do it at day eight. Now, some have said, why did he show up here? Well, the reason why he showed up on day eight, I believe, is twofold. I believe it's number one because the Spirit told him to, because that's what it says. But I also think that the Spirit used a sign like he used with the shepherds. Do you remember the story of the shepherds? How will we find him? And, they, and the, the angels told him, you will find him in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. But two years later, another group of people showed up. Now, how'd they know? They saw his star in the east. So he was led by the Spirit, but if he was a man of God that knew the word of God, he, there's a very good possibility that he saw the same sign that the wise men saw, and he knew what to look for, and the Spirit of God used that. Whatever the case, if whether or not he saw the star or not, we don't know. But what we do know is that the Spirit of God led him where to go to find him. He had to go to the right place. Now, again, there are other 
places you can find Christ, but there's a lot of places you won't find Christ. If you're trying to find Christ in things that are sinful, if you're trying to find Christ in things that are elevating anything other than Christ at Christmas, you're not going to find him there. I'm telling you, you're not going to find Christ taking pictures with Santa Claus. And I have nothing really against the idea of Santa Claus. I'm just telling you, the emphasis on Santa Claus, not on Christ, and you're not going to find Christ there. Where do you find Christ? Wherever Christ is exalted. Where is he supposed to be exalted? In the church. There's another place you'll find Christ this Christmas, not just the church. You'll find him in his word. If you can go through the Christmas season without opening the word of God and reading the word of God about the Christ, then you're probably not going to find the Christ. He's found in his church, and he's found in his word, and that's where we're going to find him. If so you and I, if we want to find Christ the way Simeon did, we've got to go to the right place. And there's two places we can go. We can go to the church, and we can go to his word. And if we'll go to those two places, we'll find Christ. And if you go to a church, and you don't find Christ, go to a different church. It's just really that simple. And then the third thing that he does in order to, to find the Christ is he's... he's um, He's went to the right place. Well, number one, he was seeking him. He was looking for him actively, which is another reason why I think he saw the sign. So he's looking for him actively. Then he goes to the right place. But then the third thing is probably the most essential thing that he did to find the Christ is not only did he go to the right place after he was seeking him, but when he got there and he saw him, he personally received him. Look at verse 28 real quick. It says that he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The key emphasis part is that he took him in his arms. He personally received the Christ child. He personally received him. And that's what I want to draw your attention to. See, here's the important truth. You can't find the Christ of Christmas through someone else's experience with the Christ of Christmas. Let me, let me say it like this. You have to, to truly find the Christ of Christmas, you have to find him for yourself. You, you can't, it, it's not about um, finding your parents' Christ. Or your grandparents' Christ, or your Sunday school teacher's Christ, or your pastor's Christ of Christmas. You don't find Christ of Christmas through them. You don't find the Christ of Christmas because you affiliate and associate with Christians. You don't find the Christ of, uh, of Christmas um, because you come to this particular church. You find the Christ of Christmas when you seek him and find him and then receive him that personally. I had a, a guy one time in college who was doing their, their group, their fraternity, was doing a lot of bad things, things that did not line up with Scripture at all, yet they were claiming to be Christian. And there was a few of us that began to set out and try to, per, particularly with the young college students coming in, letting them know that that's not okay. That it is not okay to claim Christ with your words, but then your actions do things that completely are completely a disregard for Scripture, and, and then they 
contradict the word of God. It's not okay. You are a Christian always. Well, when it got back to this particular guy, he decided it was in our band. Uh, he decided that he was going to have a uh, call a meeting and he was going to set all of us straight. And in doing so, these are the words that he said. I know some of you are telling some of our younger freshmen that we're not Christian. He said, but I want you to know I'm a Christian. My mother plays the piano in our church. My grandmother plays the organ in our church. And then he gave a bunch of other things. I'll just stop with that. And I was like, I, some of them came up and said, what do you have to say about that? And I said, uh, your mom and your grandma don't make you a Christian. And neither does going to church. I mean, going, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than staying in a garage makes you a car. I mean, y'all have heard that before. It's supposed to be funny that you've heard it before. Anyway, the point is, to find the Christ, you have to find him personally. Your parents can't save you. Your husband can't save you. Your wife can't save you. Your children can't save you. Your pastor can't save you. Your Sunday school teachers can't save you. The only person that can save you is Christ, and you have to receive him. Now, how do I know that? Look back at what he says. He's taken him in his arms. He's received him personally. But look at what he says. Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Salvation is in Jesus, and it has to come to you personally. It can't come to you secondhand through someone else. It has to be a personal reception. And that's how you and I find Christmas, the same way Simeon did. We have to seek for him, okay? We have to actively look for him, particularly when our culture throws every other message at us in the Christmas season. You have to be looking for him or you're not going to find him. And then you have to look in the right place. You, you need to come to the church and you need to get into his word. And if you come to those two places, you ought to find him. And then when you find him, you actually have to receive him. And the reason why you need to receive him is because he is the salvation of God. And if you don't receive him personally then you don't have the salvation of God. And that's what Christmas was all about. Christmas was all about God sending his son to be the savior of the world for people who would receive him to be saved. For anyone who would receive him to be saved. Now, what is the end result of all of that? If we seek him and we look in the right place and we find him and then we receive him personally... What's the, the, the final thing that we see, one result? And it's found in verse 29. It's not something you often are going to hear preached at Christmas. But, but I, I, I want to point it out. And that is, when you find him and receive him personally, you're now prepared to die. You're prepared to die. Look, look at it in verse 29 real quick. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Now, now listen, I didn't say when you receive Jesus, you're, you're going to die. Don't, don't panic. What I'm saying is when you've received him, you're now prepared to die. He had been told that he wouldn't see death until he saw the Christ. And then when he saw the Christ, he says, okay, God, you're now you're letting me depart in peace because I've found the salvation that you've brought. 
I'm ready to go, he says, because I've seen and received my salvation. And, and that's why we need to find Christ this Christmas. Because that's, again, what Christmas was all about. It was about God sending his son so that those who seek him will find him and those who receive him will receive their salvation. And when I've received my salvation, I'm prepared to die. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm ready to die. I'm prepared to die. That word prepared is really important. Because heaven is a prepared place for a prepared person. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. Here's that word again. Prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Heaven is a prepared place for someone who is prepared for eternity. How do you and I get prepared for eternity? I can assure you it has nothing to do with coming to church enough. And I can assure you it has nothing to do with giving enough money to the church. And I can assure you it has nothing to do with whether or not your parents were prepared or your husband or wife were prepared or your children are prepared. It has prepared. It has everything to do with whether or not you're prepared. And the only way that you and I are prepared for eternity is if we find the Christ of Christmas, the salvation that was given to the world, to anyone who would receive him. Because if they seek him, they will find him. And if they find him and they receive him personally, he becomes not someone else's salvation. He becomes your salvation.